Welcome to another edition of the Dementia Care Partner Talk Show. Now, here's dementia care expert Tifa Snow and your host, Greg Phelps. Our topic for today's podcast is taking on the pandemic by preparing ourselves for reconnections. So, Tipa, we're looking ahead at this point. I, I know we're sort of still in the middle of the crisis as we record this, but we do have to put some thought into what's this going to look like as we start to come out of this. And so tell me about what you mean by reconnections. Well, I think it's important to recognize the reason we were asked, everyone but the healthcare workers and the essential workers were asked to go into um, social isolate, well, uh, social distancing, but in fact, social isolation in many cases, or, you know, lockdown or um, stay at home or whatever the phrase you want to use is. In other words, separate yourselves and don't get back together till I tell you to, was because I think we really don't know how to be around one another and not contaminate one another. So what I mean is, I think, unless we do something different than what we were doing before we separated, as soon as we start getting back together, we're going to have very high risk that we repeat. Because we may have some people among us who, without realizing it, nobody's going to do it intentionally, I think might be carrying around some live virus. Apparently, uh, it can be active in people for as long as two to four to even 10 days before people actually display any of the symptoms. So you're right, we, we could have carriers, and well, we could end and, up back in the same situation. Yeah, And the other part of that, Greg, is that there are surfaces that the virus can get on. And unlike many viruses, if we don't do something to kill the virus off on that surface, it can live uh, at least 14 days on many surfaces and even longer, perhaps on other surfaces that are a little more protected. So I think, you know, we have many opportunities if we are not careful with one another, as well as with the world around us to emerge only to find ourselves at high risk because we were not very skillful at protecting ourselves um, from the very beginning. And so by separating us all out, then we were only with our own stuff and nobody else's, um, except for the healthcare workers and the frontline people who are taking high risk. And it's like, well, I'm about controlling risk. I'm, I'm not about no risk because I don't think you can live with no risk. But I do think there's a, a way to control risk at a higher level than we've done. And I don't think it's just let's set the healthcare workers and the frontline out there and hope for the best. Um, and instead, let's take a look at what we're what this thing, the virus is really, and what we could take some personal responsibility for learning how to do a little differently. What this has exposed to us, uh, at least in our country and in some of the care facilities, is that our standards for hygiene had become pretty lax over the past few years. And a lot of what they're having people do now should have been basic sort of hygiene care all along. So it's, it's a slap in the face reminder. Well, I think the other problem is uh, some of the rules that people are laying out are, are, I'm sorry, but they're sort of stupid rules or they're stated in stupid ways or they're stated in non-practical ways that make people want and their brains basically not be able to follow them. So uh, can I give you one? Sure. So Joanne, don't yes. touch your face for the whole rest of your life. Don't touch your face. What? So just think about that for a second. 
don't touch your face. The phrase is don't touch your face with your hands. So how are you going to eat, Joanne? You going to put your uh, face down on the table and trough it up? Oh, gosh, I never thought of that. How are you going to brush your teeth? How are you going to take a drink of water? Gosh. How are you going uh, to wash your face? I mean, this is, this is, to me, we've set people up to fail by demanding of them that which is illogical, irrational, and impossible. Our hands are the tools we do things with. So to say, don't touch your face with your hands is like, well, then you, what do you expect me to do? <laughs> so so the, the guideline I would give is when you touch your face, you need to wash your hands before you touch another human being. Right. If you touch another human being, you should wash your hands before you touch your face. If you touch things in the world around you, you should wash your hands before you touch your face. And if you touch your face, you should wash your hands before you touch the things around you. And so it's a wash your hand between, not don't touch. Because when we give a message of don't touch, you might as well also say the message don't care. So yeah. we, we have, um, going forward, uh, it's going to put the onus on us, as, as most of us have done care partner work, it's going to put the onus on us to be responsible for a lot of that. Because a person living with dementia, there's no point in giving them a lecture on what they should and shouldn't do, depending where they are in the progression of the disease. Yeah, well, or how about trying to force their hands somewhere? If you try to force someone's hands under a faucet or somewhere else, where do you think those hands might end up? Yeah. Might not work out well for you at the emerald, well, amber, yeah. ruby stage. Might yeah, not. Have we, have we increased risk or decreased risk of spreading that whatever was on their hands onto some other surfaces and onto us and on? It's just illogical. Tipa, wash your hands. Tipa, wash your hands. Tipa, oh, wash. That'll Don't work for you, won't it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, and I would also say, Greg, I think um, there's an assumption that people are are really good at this already. And I think, well, that's not true. People, if you don't understand what washing your hands does, that's when people start trying to reach for hand sanitizer. Well, that's a very different, I mean, that's an emergency mode. That should be emergency thinking for this particular virus anyway, rather than, well, washing your hands is actually the best thing. And it's the best thing. And you need to do it a certain length of time so that um, the soap, which is actually a sapona, it's saponified. That's a fancy word. Do you like that? Uh, yeah. I do. I'll have to you look it up later. you want to know where I got that word? Do you want to know where I found it? <laughs> where? Thesaurus. I know. I used, to, I used to do living history demonstrations of how you take chunks of fat, you melt them down, and you mix them with ash water, which is hardwood ashes, and you run water through it till it will float an egg. And then you mix the two together at a certain temperature, and they saponify, they bond. And wow. the cool part about that is one end likes water, and the other end likes fat, and they're bound together. So it lifts fat and dirt particles up off of things and carries them away. Wow, that's amazing. Isn't that cool? Yeah. So once you figure that out, then what you really want to do is be rubbing your hands because that actually helps to lift stuff off like dirt and, and things like that. And then rinsing them off. But then you have to understand that if you turn off the faucet with the hand you just clean, yeah. 
that's touching something in the world. So, you know, grabbing that paper towel and dry it, two of them maybe, and drying your hands completely and then using a hunk of that paper towel to turn off the faucet and drop it in a container that's controlled or safe and then pulling another paper towel to push the door open with so you don't use part of yourself or your hand again. I mean, it's this whole, it's actually pretty complicated, you know? And we're asking people who are care providers focusing on something else to remember to do this. Do you think it might take some practice? It's going to take a lot of practice. I, I, I think of all the medical shows that we've seen over the years, Tipa, where the surgeon is preparing to operate yep. and they go through that rigorous procedure and then they've got their hands up in the air and somebody comes and puts the gloves on for them. But that doesn't happen in our real life, does it? No, it doesn't. And, and here's the thing, Greg, and it's funny you bring up the surgeons because in fact, in research, guess who is the most likely to spread some kind of virus or bacteria around a hospital? Yeah. Who? Probably the surgeon. The sur- Because what happens is they only think of doing that when they're about to open someone's body up and invade them. And so they're so super careful there. But then they carry their stethoscope and they carry, they go from room to room and they put their hands in and out of their pockets and they don't think about that. And without realizing it, they can be the, the one who has the highest risk of going from place to place and not thinking about, oh, that stethoscope was just on one person. Oh, I leaned in when I did that. I actually, my my um, white lab coat was up against the side of the bed. And then I came and I did that again in the next room. Yeah. So it doesn't even have to be your hands because that's the time where you have to think, oh, you know, but, but I wasn't with, well, yeah, they didn't have symptoms right then, but it turned out. So this idea of it's not just our hand, it's also our clothing. So looking at that outer layer, now again, I'm not one for overreacting, but I do think the idea that, you know, let's find some things for people to put on as an over that they use in that one space and then they, you know, take it off. So for me, in many cases, a large men's shirt would work for me because it would cover most of me, including down my forearms. And what I would do is, take it off and leave it in that person's room with my name on it. So the next time I come back, I could put it back on or throw it in the wash and wash it off and reuse it. Some of the suggestions that have come out, Tipa, are simply not practical for some of the care facilities. I I know speaking in Canada, uh, they had suggested that um, the care providers have uh, a change of clothes for each room that they went into. Not practical. Uh, Simply not practical. Oh, my heavens. Well, that's like saying they should leave the room and then discard all their PPE and then put it back on for the very next room. And we're talking mask, gloves, gown, boot covers, head covers. And it's like, each time? Yeah. Added to which, guess what? There are not those resources available. So what I'm proposing is, wow, let's take a step back and let's start training ourselves for reentry. Because if we don't start thinking and doing things a little differently, our reentry is going to result in another exit or somebody's harm. Ours or someone else's. So I think it's time to own that we need to learn something and stop thinking we know it all. Tipa Snow, Joanne Westbrook, thank you very much for being on our podcast today. And Tipa, if people want more information, where can they find some of the ideas that you've been developing over the years and some of the latest innovative products that you've come up with? Yeah, on the Tipa Snow website, which is 
www.tipasnow.com on our homepage at the top. We're trying to put up things and connect up things that we're doing on Facebook, on LinkedIn, on YouTube, um, some of our new webinars, some of our new resources, um, because we're trying to get things out quickly, but do them well so that we are supportive and not making mistakes that could harm. Thank you again.